and thank you. This is the professor, Dr. Ron Daniels. The Institute of the Black World 21st Century's Black Family Summit proudly announces the Community Cares Listening Line for Black First Responders and Essential Workers. We're here and we're listening. The Community Cares Listening Line is a free, confidential service staffed with responsive volunteers who can provide emotional support and share information with our callers. If you're feeling anxious, afraid, distressed, burdened, or overwhelmed by a range of emotions, please call the Community Cares Listening Line at 877-719-1117. That's 877-719-1117. November 8th, 2021 is the notice date to propose Pacifica Bylaws Amendments. The proposed amendments may be found on the Foundation's website at www.pacifica.org for review. Votes by the Pacifica National Board and the various local station boards regarding said amendments will occur thereafter. And it is 901. You're tuned to listener-sponsored non-commercial WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming at WBAI.org. Time now for Revolutions Per Minute. Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. Recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Wednesday at 9 p.m. RPM's about doing the work. The work to build a democratic socialist future. Each week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in New York City. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. Yo, what's good, New York? This is Jack Devine, he, him pronouns, and you are listening to Revolutions Per Minute, live on WBAI. We're a socialist radio show and podcast for members of New York City Democratic Socialists of America. DSA is the largest socialist organization in the United States, with 95,000 members nationwide, and NYC DSA is its biggest chapter. We are run by our 9,000-plus members and organizers who are working together to build democratic socialism in all five boroughs. Working-class struggle continues to spread across New York City and the rest of the country. Wirecutter workers at the New York Times have launched their strike this uh, for Black Friday, joining the 3,000 Columbia academic workers on the picket line here in New York. 14,000 Kroger workers in Houston have authorized a strike, while 24,000 academic workers at the University of California system have done the same. Rank-and-file reform slate Teamsters United won a sea-changing victory in leadership elections this past week. New leadership has promised more labor militancy and committed a 1.3 million member union to organizing Amazon facilities and drivers across the country. Earlier this month, the New York Taxi Workers Alliance declared a victory after a hunger strike forced the city government to acquiesce to their demand, cancel millions in debt, and restructure their loan. We're joined by Yaslin Kerr and Augustine, 
to hear about this fight and what it means for the working for what it means for working class New Yorkers. Also last week, a Wisconsin court allowed Kyle Rittenhouse to walk free, despite the fact that he shot, wounded, and killed protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We'll play you sounds from the streets as protesters reacted to this injustice here in Brooklyn. But first, the headlines. It has stopped accepting requests for tenant rent relief because significant demand has left the program short on funds, with nearly 100,000 applications pending. In light of this, Governor Kathy Hochul has asked the federal government for almost a billion dollars in additional spending to cover the rent relief program. Due to an infusion of funding from the Federal Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, there will be no MTA fare hikes or service cuts in the immediate future. New York state officials have announced that they intend to divest their holdings from Ben & Jerry's parent company Unilever over the company's decision to restrict ice cream sales in the Israeli-occupied West Bank. Writing in AM New York, State Assemblymember Farah Safran Forrest has urged legislators to back further parole reforms, notably the Fair and Timely Act, which would require parole boards to assess inmates on who they are today rather than on the basis of their original conviction, and the Elder Parole Bill, which would create a way for older prisoners who have already served at least 15 years of their sentence to appear before a parole board. Mayor Bill de Blasio continues to refrain from making a decision about about key changes to the education system, including removing middle school screenings and ending geographic priority for high schools. The MTA is set to refund millions of dollars to its employees after it was discovered that workers were overcharged on pension deductions out of their paychecks for years. The City Planning Commission voted unanimously for a zoning text amendment that will allow more restaurants to set up outdoor dining structures across the city. The Economic Development Corporation has revealed its master plan for the FIDI Seaport Resilience Project, which details how it plans to protect low-lying parts of the island from flooding during another superstorm. A recent study by the Cooney University Faculty Senate found that teaching cuts in the city and state higher education system disproportionately targeted colleges with high numbers of minority students. Cooney and SUNY four-year colleges whose student bodies are at least 40% black or Latino have proportionally half as many full-time faculty as those senior colleges whose student bodies are comprised of 25% or fewer black and Latino students, the study found. Finally, in elections news, New York City public advocate Jamani Williams has officially announced his run for governor. Our headlines are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by NYC DSA Electoral Working Group, covering local politics and radical activism. Subscribe at thethorn.nyc. So now we are here and joined by Augustine and Jasmine, and I just want to thank you both so much for joining us on the show. Great. Thank you for having me. Likewise, it's always good to be back. We're very happy to have you back. Uh, and I just want to uh, direct uh, a question that we tend to hit our guests with early on in, on their RPM appearances. And just what social forces have pushed you into the movement for working class power and democratic socialism? And what kind of organizing are you involved in? I'll throw this to Augustine first. Great. Um, well, my name is Augustine Tang, and my pronouns are uh, he, him. I 
Well, I my father passed away in 2015 and left me with New York City Taxi Medallion. Um, and through that, I didn't know anything about the industry. And as I got into the industry, I, I, I saw the despair in many of these drivers. Um, they, we were going through a medallion crisis and um, I actually befriended uh, one of the nine drivers that um, died by suicide. And uh, ever since, um, ever since his death, he, I, I made it a mission to make sure that, uh, you know, any way I could help, uh, make sure these drivers don't ever feel that way again. And, um, you know, throughout my journey, uh, as I, the longer I go uh, in this industry, the, the more pain and suffering I, I hear. And um, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm very happy that um, we got here now. So you've, uh, so sorry for your loss on multiple fronts. Um, and you've clearly experienced the pain and suffering that can really uh, radicalize an individual uh, and kind of uh, reveal the kind of horrors of how some of these structures and systems work and the pressure that it puts on people um, who are just struggling every day and fighting every day for their, to have a good life. And there's nothing that can politicize someone, I think, more than that, um, just sort of going through reality and, and uh, pain and suffering that can also often come with it, but also learning that fighting back is uh, and fighting and building on power is kind of the best solution. Uh, Jesseline, what, what about yourself? Um, what kind of social forces pushed you into the movement and um, what kind of organizing have you been involved in, uh, in in the past and what are you currently up to? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think echoing Augustine, you know, I, I really believe that nobody knows policy better than the people who have been failed by it. And the taxi medallion crisis is probably one of the biggest failures of our cities that that's lingered for a decade. And, you know, I'm not a, a taxi driver, but, you know, uh, similarly, my father was also a, a cab driver. And when that medallion market crashed, I, I felt it so immediately and so directly. And it pummeled me into student loan debt at the same time that it pummeled my family into medallion debt. So it was these concurrent fights um, that really pushed me to eventually, you know, run for city council as a DSA endorsed candidate. And I made this medallion fight a priority because it's not just about liberation for the immediate kind of people that I'd want to, to represent, but for this entire city and, and generations of people after that. And, you know, I, I've had my hand in, in, in climate change work and a lot of my pre DSA work was in anti-violence work to support survivors of sexual harassment in schools. But, you know, taking on school administrators and people like Betsy DeVos is a, a much different game than taking on some of the most predatory medallion lenders in New York City. So, you know, I'm really glad to have been um, a, a, as small or as big of a partner as possible uh, with the Taxi Workers Alliance and with Augustine, too. Well, we were we were all disappointed to see that you came up just short in the city council race. Um, but we know that you're such a committed fighter in, in the struggle for working people here in New York by getting directly involved in this fight um, against the, the predatory medallion lenders and standing up directly for working people. And uh, we know that you're going to continue by sh uh, being right here on the show where we're always focusing on the struggles that people are taking place on the ground. Uh, I just want, before we kind of get more specifically into the fight for the taxi with the taxi workers Alliance and the Victoria struggle to restructure um, the predatory loans. I just want to remind our listeners that you are tuning in to Revolutions Per Minute. 
I'm listener sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Today, we are talking about the Taxi Workers Alliance and the struggle against predatory um, lending. That was uh, a victorious struggle that occurred um, within this past month. So before we maybe get into uh, this specific fight, like what what is the Taxi Workers Alliance and what have you all been fighting for? Uh, Augustine, I'll throw that to you first. Sure. Um, well, uh, Taxi Workers Alliance is a is an organization with 25, uh, 25,000 members. And it's not just yellow taxi drivers, but they have for, um, app drivers and also black cards drivers as well, too. Uh, and they have been around for 25 plus years and for fighting for driver justice, really, um, just to make sure that drivers have a voice uh, and are, aren't taken advantage of. And unfortunately, there's been just a lot of taken advantage of throughout this industry because these drivers, you know, immigrant, predominantly immigrant drivers, um, especially uh, yellow sector, which is mostly 93% immigrants, um, they have been fighting for us uh, nonstop. And for many of us, we never felt like we had a voice. And I think that's the main thing where um, they come in and they, they you know, uh, Beravita Sai, who's the executive director, has always um, fought vi- you know, valiantly for us. And I, I I just, you know, I owe her so much for it. And she's just been such a, such a great fighter. And I, I have so much to learn from her. Yeah, I mean, what's I think what you're hitting at is the the combination of organization and, re- and relationship building that comes uh, through um, organization and the kind of the power that can come out of that, how that can transform um, somebody's life and what that can do um, for uh, working people on the ground, the sort of power that that can that moment can build. Um, and so, uh, you know. Jazeline, who else was part of this coalition that was so crucial in the in this recent fight? And if you want to describe any of the details um, that for the against the predatory loaning um, and kind of what was being fought for, what the sort of demands were, um, uh, please share that with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the New York Taxi Workers Alliance definitely lives up to the if we don't get it, shut it down declaration. Right. They've been shutting down the streets since its founding in 1998. And I think that has really set the pace uh, for the kind of work that NITOA has always been doing. And it's always been just that consistent. Um, and so I think that, you know, for, for, for this you know, labor coalition, for this organization, I think so much of the power is baked right inside the Taxi Workers Alliance. Uh, like, like my father and my uncle are in so many different WhatsApp groups if you get a message telling, you know, um, from the organization telling you to come down to City Hall, they will come in masses. If they're asking you to come down outside uh, the mayor's home or the governor's mansion, uh, they will be there in droves. Uh, and, you know, Taxi Workers Alliance does not play around. Um, so I just want to, you know, at least get that clear, right? Like there's so much power within this organization. But I think what we gleaned uh, from what we, how we were really supposed to get this win uh, was really on classic escalation strategy, right? Real deal rank and file organizing of the membership. And so since we knew turnout was not really a problem, shutting down the city was not a problem. We had to get to Mayor de Blasio um, as he was leaving his post as mayor, which was really the next inflection point. 
um, if he's not listening to drivers, even while Beta V is in that negotiation room with lenders, we were going to have to bring the lenders to the table. And so I think there was so much smart negotiation skills and, and policy thinking that came from Beta V Desai um, to really bring almost every single lender, not even just Mar Marblegate, to the table for negotiations, but also tap in um, to DSA, Debt and Finance Group, where I did a lot of my organizing, and with some of the biggest heavy hitters like Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Um, it, it's been very clear he's been making the rounds across New York City, but I think we probably couldn't have gotten that done uh, without our own fellow DSA elected, Sahran Mamdani, who spent 15 days on hunger strike, the entire stretch of it, um, outside City Hall, making, um, you know, the, the the strike location his his office. And so he was able to come together with council members, council members elect, assembly members, uh, to keep applying the pressure on the mayor, the deputy mayor, the other people who are in his ear. And it was that combined inside-outside strategy that I think really made um, a New York City mayor on his way out succumb to the demands of the multi-ethnic working class. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it, it really just was such an impressive coalition that was brought together that built out from what you were describing as a sort of rank and file organizing. You have the Taxi Workers Alliance and through that, from that, you have NYC and DSA, various other elected officials, various other organizations coming together in what is just a massive coalition that is shutting down, um, you know, so much of the city that is building towards all this this massive hunger strike, which I'd be uh, happy to get into more in more detail and just really kind of demonstrating the power that a united force like 25,000 taxi workers can be when they're building a, a coalition of, of broad uh, working class organizations all across the city. And before we get into maybe some of the other taxes and strategies, I just want to let our listeners know that the phone lines are opened up. You can call in at 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 212-209-2877. So in, you were, Jaslyn, you were describing uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the strategy that went in behind how, what were the sort of tactics and what was it like to participate in this sort of struggle? And, and Augustine, I want to give you a, a chance to chime in as well. Yeah, I mean, it, this was the New York Taxi Workers Alliance taking on a new life, at least from my perspective. I mean, Augustine, I'm sure you remember how many times we've testified in front of city council, how many times we've testified in front of um, the Taxi and Limousine Commission, TLC, how many you know, task forces, the council has come together to investigate and do the research. You know, at, at some point, the the, the data, we don't, we don't need to do more data collection, right? We're, we're right here. And so I think it was really inspiring to have um, Naitwa come to myself, to Zahran, uh, to think about let's, let's occupy City Hall, right? And so I think, you know, it, it was especially important given that City Hall was one of the sites that um, one of our driver brothers um, had actually taken his own life right on the steps of City Hall. And we were now, that's now a point of uh, a victory for us. Now City Hall is a place where where we won. And that was because there was this commitment from the membership that we were going to camp outside City Hall 24-7, rain or shine, no matter what. And we started that, I believe, on, on September 19th. And it was a, a different kind of organization. You could really feel it in your heart honestly, about how much more um, 
of a risk this was going to be for so many of our drivers. Like this is a very, um, like Augustine said, it's a 95% immigrant workforce. And it's also people who are in their, many of whom are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, people like my dad, who's 62 years old, been driving for 30 years, um, who, who spent time outside uh, City Hall to make sure that we could get this win. And so from there, there was that escalation to go on hunger strike. And that's an additional risk uh, for a lot of the NITWA members, given that many of them have chronic health issues from sitting in a car working 12 to 14 hour shifts for, for decades at a time. You know, my father himself has had corrective eye surgery twice now, and many of them have back problems, um, diabetes or other heart conditions, um, especially Richard Chow, um, who is one of the most dedicated organizers of the Taxi Workers Alliance. It was all of these continuous escalations because we knew that we were not going to let this mayor leave his post as um, his post in office until we get this win. Um, and so we had folks who were signing up for um, shifts to be outside City Hall. We're phone banking and text banking members to come and join us for rallies. And people made pledges to go on hunger strike too, whether it was 48 hours, whatever they could manage regarding their health um, or the full fledged 15 days with constant monitoring from monitoring from uh, medical professionals. So it was a lot of risk, but I think, you know, when you know that debt is already deciding between life and death, this was a, a natural escalation um, that followed decades of, of really dedicated organizing across New York City. Yeah, I want to add to uh, give a special shout out to, I'm so sorry, <laughs> that's my uh, rice cooker. Um, yeah, I wanted to add that New York City Docs Coalition, a uh, special shout out to them because they were there to see us, uh, to treat us, to make sure that we were healthy enough to stay on the hunger strike. Um, many of us, like Richard Child, like Jessalyn said, um, who is a diabetic and has high blood pressure, was um, actively uh, checked up on and made sure he's okay. But of course, um, you know, Richard is such a such a fighter and he wasn't gonna, going to let um, any of the drivers and of course his uh, late brother down. Um, so he's stuck on with 15 days of um, hunger strike and he's just been uh, just an amazing guy. Uh, for about how do we win our demand, I, I really want to stress that this has been more than just uh, a 46-day protest. Uh, this has been years of political strategies, uh, strategizing and also lender strategizing, like Jasleen said. It took years of organizing where we had to build up relationships with congressional delegation, uh, uh, like with AOC and, of course, uh, Chuck Schumer. Um, and for many of us, we wanted to just thank so many of the um, organizations that came out, also the New York City Tech Coalition, DRUM, Street Vendors Project, um, Rise and Resist, New York City Communities for Change. Um, there were about 90 plus organizations that signed a letter of endorsement and many of them even joined the hunger strike and rallied with us. Um, and including also there's 25 plus unions that in endorsed as well too, uh, like 32BJ and Cent Central Labor Council. And of course, DSA has been uh, just nothing but amazing uh, coming by and just showing support. And this is what kept us going, to be honest. Uh, a lot of us drivers just didn't really understand what it took. Uh, and we didn't know uh, our future was so uncertain um, but you know, we, we kind of fed off of each other, 
Um, and I'm just so happy to be a part of this, honestly. Well, I think I just want to remark on a, a couple of things and uh, just want to check. Max, do we have any callers on the line? Uh, no, we do not. We do not. All right. Well, I just want to remark on a couple of things um, that it's just it's so courageous, the, the kind of level of commitment that so many um, organizers and, and taxi drivers uh, showed in, in, the, in this fight, that this, the willingness for do the years of organizing the sort of text and phone making that was done and then taking it under conditions where people are struggling to survive and they going out of their way to continue to fight whenever they have any time to, to push forward to, in order to, you know, just uh, fight, push back against this really predatory system. And then to kind of risk it all by, you know, surrounding uh, city hall and this kind of, a driver occupation and then going out on hunger strike, which is just a really courageous action um, that kind of shows a deep level of commitment and the desperation that so many people were feeling because of the, the way that this loan system was structured and was really a life or death struggle for so many. Uh, so I just really just want to make sure that uh, that's noted here. Um, and I just uh, want to uh, bef- uh, turn to our um a recorded segment, uh, speaking of a life and death struggle, uh, last week it was announced that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was not going to be imprisoned for um, killing a protester and wounding two others um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin uh, last year. Um, and uh, there was a protest here in Brooklyn um, about that verdict. So I just want to uh, roll that clip right now. Beautiful person. Who faced police brutality? Another one of our siblings. So when I say say his name, there we go. Say his name. Jacob Blake. Say his name. Jacob Blake. Say his name. Jacob Blake. Why we are here? Because Kyle Ritten verdict was that he gets to walk home with no charges filed against him. in prison. That's still motherfucking execution. That's not freedom. That man deserves to be free. And by allowing Kyle Rittenhouse to walk away, this entire country, this government has slapped us all in the face for the millionth time. We cannot allow them to continue treating us like we do not exist because they hurt us. They knew loud and clear that the masses of the people did not want Kyle Rittenhouse to walk free. And they ignored us because that is centralized power. The judge, one judge, was able to grant a villain freedom. There are a lot of people who are going to say that this has nothing to do with black lives. And in fact, it's about self-defense. But if it was truly self-defense, Kyle Rittenhouse would have stayed his 
soul. Because the truth is, he walked outside of his house to a nonviolent protest thinking that he was going to play vigilante. And out of everybody that was there, Kyle Rittenhouse was the only person that truly harmed someone, that truly murdered someone. An AR-15. But we knew he was going to walk free. Come on. We knew he was going to walk free, especially when they dropped that first charge. Right? But that is America. And now Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero to white supremacists everywhere. us being together united under one cause this is about liberation for all of us black liberation is global liberation because although Kyle Rittenhouse did not kill a black person he killed the white mother and still was able to walk free right so what does that show you That shows you that no matter who you are, as long as you stand behind the message that black people should be liberated, black people deserve equity, and black people should be free, you are a target. It does not matter what you look like. If you stand for black liberation, for true justice, you are a target. We all need to remember that as we stand outside fighting alongside black people, fighting alongside Palestinian people, fighting alongside all the black people. You're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Today, we're talking about the struggle of the Taxi Workers Alliance here in New York against predatory lending and the various other fights that they're involved in for worker power. And But before we get back into that conversation, I want to, uh, you know, get into uh, why we're able to have it in the first place. We're here on WBAI, uh, on the radio that is a listener-sponsored station, and we cannot do it without your support. We don't have any advertising. We don't have corporate donations. We're not linked to big money. This is a whole different kind of operation. It's an operation for, by, and of the people and of our listeners and staff. It's a democratic institution. We can't have that democracy here at WBAI without having listener support. And so if you want to become a listener member, if you want to become an eligible voter on WBAI, you can do that by going to WBAI.org. You can click on the donate donate button. If you give $25 uh, for an entire year, you become an eligible member. And if you have the money to give more, then you can really become a contributor of this station. But I think even more broadly than that, if you're 
looped in with another organiz uh, a membership organization. Think about how tying your working class organization to this working class organization could build power together, putting it in the due structure, thinking about building a working class media operation that kind of lifts up um, the voices of who's struggling in your organization on the airwaves. So that, I think this is a really crucial thing that, um, that having a sort of labor socialist media and WBAI can be a place to do that. So if you want to um, become a contributing member or you want to share uh, kind of what we have on WBAI, you can share with them revolutions per minute, what we talk about on the airwaves, or you can go to WBA.org and donate what you have on your own. $25 a year gets you eligible voting membership in our local station board. And if you got more to contribute, that would be great. So please go to WBAI.org or call in at 212-209-2950. Again, that's 212-209-2950. So now let's get back to our conversation with Jasmine and with Augustine on the Taxi Workers Alliance. So we've been discussing this really heroic fight um, to kind of restructure um, the loans and cancel millions of dollars in debt. And I think it's just an incredible victory for the working class here in New York. So after this big victory, what do you see as the future for the Taxi Workers Alliance? How can it grow in numbers and power? And, and what's needed uh, more broadly to improve the lives of taxi drivers in New York City? Um, Augustine, I'll throw that to you first. Well, I just got to say that... Um... All that could be answered with just building, really building a strong union, um, a strong organization that's willing to fight for you. Uh, after this win, we had, you know, lease drivers thanking us because they just wanted to see, uh, you know, uh, yellows, yellow medallion owners win because they saw how much um, it has affected their lives, uh, not just their lives, but th their fa families' lives as well too. Um, we have, we're, our plan is just to keep on keep on um, encouraging drivers to uh, come on to our Friday night Zooms um, so we could uh, coordinate and so we could organize together and uh, keep a lot of these drivers um, uh, informed of what's going on. Uh, and we want to just keep on helping these drivers. Uh, I think uh, time and time again, uh, many of these drivers get nickel and dimed. Uh, and, you know, we're here to fight for lease drivers and even app drivers and um, uh, many of these guys just just need an organization constantly just trying to fight for them. Um, we, you know, and we, and we really do think that um, Taxi Workers Alliance has just been doing such a magnificent job. Um, this isn't, although we just had this momentous victory, this isn't the end. This is honestly just the beginning. And we're, we're willing to keep on building on this momentum and making sure that drivers understand that, it, it, there's only strength in numbers. Uh, there's just a lot more to, to tackle. But of course, this medallion crisis was one of the uh, most important where, uh, you know, nine drivers were committed suicide. Um, just uh, th that was strongly affected. So, you know, for many of us, we just, we just want to build on this momentum. Yeah, I think building on the momentum of a, a critical victory where lives were at stake is, is absolutely uh, such a key way of, of building working class power. Once you have that sort of victory, once you have that solidarity, people start to believe more and more 
that solidarity becomes something more than an idea, but a, a lived reality. And I think just even what you're talking about, having sort of Zoom calls where you have these conversations where you're connecting people, where they're sharing their day-to-day struggles, where they're talking strategy about how to overcome things and kind of build the relationships that need to um, build lasting organizational power is so um, critical in this fight. So, um, Jesseline, uh, what about yourself? What do you what do you see for the future? I, I know you're. Um, it's more that you're. It's a family relation, but that you're deeply tied to the organization. So, where do you see the future of the uh, Taxi Workers Alliance, and where do you what do you think is needed? Um, Where's the next step in the fight, said from your perspective? Yeah, you know, I think Augustine nailed it. Right. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget at the at the end of the night on, on Victory Day on, on November 3rd, Beta V. Desai said it's, it's time to build the union. Call up all your brothers and sisters, every single people on your phone to sign up and be dues paying members. And I think that says a lot about just the direction and where existing members already want to go and where they want to grow, because, you know, it's clear that this didn't happen by chance, right? Like Augustine said, it's taken decades of organizing to get this win, but we're going to continue needing people to be as invested as possible because we still need to make sure that the next city council, the next mayor uh, will see through the implementation of this plan. I mean, I kept getting calls, texts from, from family members, people who were in the area being like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And, you know, I was like, did, did you join the union though? Right. Are, are you paying dues? Are, are you a member? Are, are you organizing? Right. And so I think for so many people, this was an entry point into doing something that benefited the collective more than it did benefit them as an individual. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see what more we can do, um, to build up, um, a, a collective fight against, completely ridding our city of gig work. You know, it's fundamentally exploitative. The gig economy takes away lives and dignity for a workforce um, that is 95% immigrant in the case of the New York Taxi Workers Alliance. There's a lot of work that we have to do to expand mental health support for drivers who have seen their own brothers take their own lives. There needs to be a pathway to retirement. And so I think that, you know, like Augustine said, there's so much more to win here. This is these are the seeds that have been planted for much bigger fights that, you know, we're going to be taken seriously on because we've shown that we can win already. Um, there's just so much more in store beyond this. Yeah, I think expanding the, the number of uh, dues paying membership is always crucial for any union, no matter it's organized, if it's a sort of minority union as exists now with the Taxi Workers Alliance, where it's about uh, kind of building up the numbers total. So you have a majority of the taxi drivers in the city uh, if, and, if, and more and more than that. And then once you can get to app um, drivers, getting those totals kind of looping people in so we can have a real force for drivers in the city, not a real, I mean, the, the Taxi Workers Alliance is a real force already. It's shown its power, but it dramatically powerful force that could totally shake the, the balance of power in the city in general um, for the working class to take things to the next level because um, the drivers clearly do deserve better than they are they're having than the lives that um, they're being forced to struggle in right now um, so I just want to remind our listeners that the phone lines are open the number is 212-209-2877 again that number is 212-209-2877 Seven seven. Um, so I just want, uh, Jasmine, I'll, th- I'll throw this question to you first. 
Um, how does the fight led by the Taxi Workers Alliance connect with other struggles um, being engaged with by uh, New York City's working class right now? Yeah, you know, I think that reversing debt, right, this kind of debtor organizing that we've been doing is fundamentally changing the material conditions of people's lives, right? From, from student debt to medallion debt, we're giving people a chance to live their lives again so that the weight of debt isn't looming over their shoulders anymore. And that is transformative in, in so many ways. You could hear it from drivers over how this feels like turning a new leaf in life, that there's so much more to aspire towards. And so I think about so many of the other organized labor that came our way um, at, at the picket line. Um, Los Deliveristas Unidos, Street Vendor Project, people who are fighting criminalization but also organizing um, an, an immigrant workforce in, in need of labor protection from speculators, private corporations, and, and more. So, you know, we saw um, just a, about a month ago, NYPD still harassing street vendors and taking away $10,000 worth of, of their business and their license to operate. Deliveristas who are still seeking protection from wage theft from massive corporations like, like DoorDash and Uber Eats. You know, we're, we're not liberated until the working class is liberated. And we have a lot to learn just from this this win with the Taxi Workers Alliance about what real multi-ethnic, multilingual working class coalition building looks like and that it's going to take time. But it's that disciplined organizing that gets these wins. And, you know, wh whether it's the Taxi Workers Alliance, street vendors or deliveristas, these are not organized labor unions in the sense that 32BJ or 1199 may be. These are organizing hubs for people to get their collective wins, whether through policy advocacy or, or legislative pressure. And so I think it sets an immense amount of precedent um, for what we can do um, across New York City, across our state and across our country. Um, it really sets the pace um, for worker organizing and seeing how we've already been in coalition with each other for so long, I think there's many, many more victories uh, on the radar for the next year. Yeah, I think what you see uh, time and time again is that what makes a difference in any sort of fight is when you have working class organization on the ground, no matter what kind of form, whether it's as we kind of the, the organization that we're talking about here, the Taxi Workers Alliance, the way that it's organized and kind of the, the terms that you describe it's not a traditional labor union, but it's something that still is bringing workers together and for a collective fight for a sort of policy demand. In this instance, kind of restructuring the loans and canceling millions and millions in debt that in a manner that it now is going to save uh, so many lives and uh, enable people to have at least somewhat of a quality of life uh, and a massive improvement from before, or whether that's tenant unions that have been really growing throughout the city and building a massive movement of tenants unions that are you know, fighting against evictions, that are trying to keep rent down, that are kind of building operations to fight for legislation in Albany, um, like the no good cause eviction bill or the, the various bills that passed a couple of years ago that have significantly changed the lives of tenants across the city. Whether it's right now, something like my union PSC fighting for the New Deal for CUNY when, and the potential strike that, that might come along in that sort of fight that could not just change the lives of those of our union members with additional pay and better working and living conditions, but would also change the lives of working class New Yorkers by giving uh, tuition free uh, public college across the board. So I think 
these are the kind of the, the tie between organizations and broader, broader political demands is so crucial. And Augustine, I don't know if you have anything to add to the question about what the kind of relationship is between um, this fight that uh, this victorious struggle that was just won by the Taxi Workers Alliance and the kind of broader struggles of New York City's working class. Uh, well, I hope it inspires um, a lot of the working class right now. I think mainly working class people love to see working class people win. And, you know, you do it by organizing and you do it by, you know, just being active in your industry and or in your organization. And uh, uh, for for many of us, I, I, I think a lot of these drivers uh, never felt like they had that voice because, you know, they just never thought anybody cared about them. But this, this win really drove uh, so many like people where I had uh, lease drivers just thanking us for what we did. And then we had strangers crying with us during the victory. And it, it's just incredibly nice to see both uh, types of people, like working class people that don't want to, you know, just want to see a victory for once. And a lot of these, you know, for a lot of these people just, uh, I just hope it, it inspires them really. And uh, I hope people just keep on organizing and uh, making sure that you get involved. Yeah, seeing a sort of victory um, on the front lines can really change, um, you know, it, that one is just dramatically changing people's lives can also change people's, uh, you know, beliefs and what is what we're all capable of and how we can, you know, shift the balance of power within the city. Um, I just want to remind our listeners that you are tuning in to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. We've been talking about the Taxi Workers Alliance and their victorious struggle to cancel million dollars, millions of dollars in debt. And we're, our phone lines are now open if you want to call in with maybe you are a taxi driver who is involved in this fight and we want to hear from you. The number is 212-209-2877. Or if you just have anything else that's on your mind about what's going on in New York City, the, the struggle for socialism here in New York, more broadly across the country and the world, again, that number is 212 212- Two zero nine two eight seven seven. Max, do we have anybody on the line? We do not. Oh no! I guess well, you know, people are enjoying the the holidays today, so we uh, yet to have any calls. Uh, but um, I guess I'll, I'll throw this out. Um, is there any particular story from any day of the fight that um, either of you really want to highlight? That's something that really comes to mind. Um, I know you guys have been sharing a lot. Um, but I think uh, this is something just everything has really kind of, um, you know, hit hit home for me that this is such a, a powerful struggle. So anything uh, that you can think of off the top of your head is sort of memory of the struggle. Uh, if you want to share that with our listeners, uh, Augustine, I'll, I'll throw that to you first. Oh, man. I, I mean, it, it honestly, it became all a blur, um, you know, but. For for me, I, I think that every day I was waking up thinking if, you know, today was going to be the day I'm, I break my promise and uh, that, like, how am I going to be able to actually make it through this day not eating and, um, you know, just, but it, it just makes it so much easier being with people doing the same thing, uh, like Jesseline and Zoran and, you know, Bitavi and, you know, all the drivers that, that have joined. They, we, we did a, we did a poll and 80% of the drivers that wanted to do it, couldn't do it because of 
how unhealthy um, the, our job is really uh, in taxi driving. And so, you know, it's, it's just the commitment to it. And, you know, I, every day I, I wake up like, oh man, like I really, I, I don't want to let any hit these guys down. And, um, and I, I, you know, we pulled through and, you know, I really had to thank just the many organizations that have showed, you know, and just kept coming out and, and really just uh, encouraged us and, and gave us strength, uh, even though we were starving and, uh, uh, you know, having constant headaches and, um, and just blurred vision and fatigue. And, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm just so happy that we, we pulled through. And um, I just want to thank uh, Jessalyn personally and just for all, all the great work that she's been doing and, um, you know, and just encouraging all of us. And thank you so much. I can, I can only, as someone who's never participated in a hunger strike, I can only imagine this sort of uh, pain that going through that sort of process must have been like, and I just have the utmost respect um, for everyone who participated. Um, uh, Jeslyn, do you have um, any sort of a story that you want to share with uh, uh, our audience? You know, I think that there, I will probably never feel something as life-changing and impeccable as the sound of those drums as they were beating and Beta V Desai had come out of her, her meeting uh, with, with de Blasio, with Stringer, with everybody, seeing her come down and seeing the roar of cheers, knowing that it was really happening. It was probably one of the greatest days of my life. And I, I'm getting choked up even just thinking about it now because I, I got to share that with my family I got to share that with the Taxi Workers Alliance, who have probably been doing this longer than I've been alive, um, with people like Augustine, who has taken on this fight from his father, too. I think there's so much beauty in seeing this intergenerational fight for so many immigrants from, from different parts of the world. And that is something that I'm forever indebted to the Taxi Workers Alliance for, to all of the organizations who have put their lives on the line for this victory. And... It's just been one of the greatest, greatest things. And I, I'm, I, I, it, sometimes it doesn't feel real. I still get so many calls about, you know, what's next? Uh, just lead. How do we, how do I call my lender? Um, but man, it, it's phenomenal. Also the dance party. Afterwards. Yo. <laughs> that dance party was probably one of the, oh, man, I was just so happy seeing every. <laughs> We, you know, you watch these guys who are in their 60s and 70s coming out to dance and <laughs> hug each other and, you know, just, you know, in a way, just have this little tear come out, just a pure joy of what happened. Uh, and we get to eat that avocado. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was, it was just, it was such a great feeling. Yeah, that, that's something I will, all, you know, we will always hang our hat up on. And it's, ah, uh, man, it's, it's. I don't know. Well, anything is every is life downhill all from here. <laughs> is this all? No, it's such an amazing feeling. It is. It Justin's right. It's um, just being with the people and celebrating with them, and just and you know, just hugging everybody, and it's just it's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible feeling. There's nothing better than a, a dance party and a fun celebration, uh, especially after um, such a hard fight and victorious. Um, win for um, the working class here in New York. So I just um, 
uh, before we close out, is there anything, anything you want to share um, with our listeners about how they could get involved in future struggles with the Taxi Workers Alliance or just anything that's uh, on your mind that you want to let everyone know while you're on the air? Um, Augustine, I'll throw that yeah. to you. Uh, well, we are right now, well, yeah, just, uh, you know, you could, you could check them out on Twitter, uh, NYTWA. Uh, and, you know, just uh, for us, we are trying to, right now we're trying to get all the rest of the lenders, uh, if uh, any donations that can be uh, put towards the organization, that'll be great because um, they are mainly from, uh, they're mainly run by members who, and they charge only $100 a year. Uh, and a lot of some some of the members you know don't don't pay or forget and only until they need something then they start paying and so uh you know any donations would be uh, amazing and it'll, it'll go a long way uh helping many of the great members of uh uh and organizers of new york taxi workers alliance and uh and you know just keep following us and see what else we're gonna try to do next and you know hopefully we could do things together with you know, dsa more and and other organizations because we we just understand that the the fight for working people is so so important um and you know we don't want to do it alone we definitely do not want to be doing it alone and in speaking of um, not being alone we have a caller on the line you are live on wbai on revolutions per minute what's your name and what's your comment and your question Daryl McPherson, Bronx, New York. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, we can hear you. Okay. Three quick things. First of all, I'd really like to congratulate you all for the beginning of a victory and um, getting the pushback into this economic system. Um, I would – WBAI has a, has a real challenge. For next year, the next year's budget has a 300, around a $300,000 deficit. And so what I'm asking people to do is every person that they speak to mention the station, the station uh, number on the um, – There used to be a dial. I apologize. I'm looking for the correct term. Uh, In the spectrum, uh, 99.5 FM in the the New York metropolitan area, and WBAI.org. If we don't come up with the $300,000, then we don't get to celebrate the victory that, um, that that, that you're beginning to win across the board. And what what I would like people to do is every day go to Forbes real-time billionaires and track how much money both Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos earn a day. Now, you all just want a really great victory at the same time that Elon Musk made $9 billion today. Now, we all know what $9 billion could do for the city. Um, But, and I think you're you're totally right that there is so much work to do to actually, you know, uh, shift the balance of power so that um, someone like that isn't gaining so much wealth while so many people are suffering. 
And in order to do that, we're going to be needing to build a sort of working class organization and demonstration of power that we just have been talking about all throughout the show. And I just um, want to thank both Augustine and Jasleen for joining us here on Revolutions Per Minute. Um, you've been listening to RPM on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back with you next week. And I uh, just want to thank our both our guests so much for joining us. Thank our caller for calling in for a great call. And I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll see you out. Organize your workplace. Organize where you live. And we'll see you out in the streets. You've been listening to Revolutions Per Minute. This is Jack Devine. We'll see you next week, night, Wednesday at 9 p.m. of everything old is new again every sunday night at 10 please join me then and please support wbai at our brand new old number which is 212-209-2950 again that's 212-209-2950 hey it's our old number but it's new again because everything old is new again i like it J.W. Walker, one of the founding members of Gays Against Guns, uh, in light of the verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Gays Against Guns has put out the following statement. Although, given the composition of the jury and the judge's bizarre and clearly biased behavior throughout the trial, this verdict was unsurprising. We are still disgusted that this hooligan was just let off after murdering two people and maiming a third. Everything about this case demonstrates how broad and deep the connections between gun culture, white supremacy, and our criminal justice system are. The decision has guaranteed that more of these violent sociopathic incels will decide to go shoot protesters demonstrating against white supremacy. The quote-unquote coming race war that white supremacist agitators have been foretelling for decades and doing everything within their power to bring to fruition for just as long seems nearer to becoming an actual possibility. And that is a frightening prospect. Protests against these sorts of injustices will become less safe but we shall not stop publicly demonstrating against gun culture and white supremacy because we must, because this jury's decision that makes it all the more imperative that we do. Please tune in to Radio Gag every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. for more discussions on issues like the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict and other issues related to gun violence prevention in the United States. Yay!
Join us on November 26th to December 12th at Cinema Village, Sinopolis, and virtually as we celebrate 29 years of the ADIFF, the film festival that always brings you great films about people of color all over the world. Discover over 70 entertaining and revealing fiction and documentary films, including 